welcome everybody online again. And hey, if I haven't met you, my name is Brandon. I'm one of the pastors. And again, I'm so glad that you're part of today. Go ahead and grab your note sheet out of your worship guide or digital note takers. You can open up the app. And uh, while you get that ready, guys, I just want to say, I don't know what I love when they talk about she, because they all like, woo, 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 you know. And so next month is our men's gathering. No, 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 no. I want to hear some woo, woo. You can't, you can't do that. See, just one time, just try it. Just boom. <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, we roll around men's night and everybody's like, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, y'all don't, y'all don't even get pumped about it. Like, I want to hear some woo out of you guys, all right? So maybe you can woo about this. Y'all know last week, five people said yes to Jesus at Cultivate Church. Woo! Woo! Okay. <laughs> That's something to get excited about. I'm so glad that people are saying yes to Jesus. That's what it's all about, everybody. Heaven is growing because of what God's doing right here. And so if you said yes to Jesus last week in here online, we are so honored. We're celebrating with you. I'm so glad. I also want to mention that when you came in, uh, the small groups table was at the front. And uh, that wasn't just to have something to do. That's for you to stop and get some small group in, in your life, okay? Some people in your life. Everybody needs somebody. Some of you need friends. Some of you need better friends, okay? Some of you, some of you need some new friends. And that's the best way to do it. When we planted the church, people said, hey, we're going to do Sunday night church. And we said, no. You know, I grew up in Sunday night. You went home, you had a roast, took a nap, you went back to church. And uh, the real spiritual people changed clothes from the suit on Sunday morning to just slacks on Sunday night. And uh, Sunday night church was great, uh, but we said, no, we're not doing Sunday night. They said, what about Wednesday night? We said, no, we're not doing Wednesday night. People were like bummed, like you were going to show up anyway. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> All the people who complain about it are the ones that never show up, Okay. And, uh, and here's why. We said, if, if we do Sundays, that's going to be great. We're going to gather together. But instead of you taking your time to come in another opportunity like this on a Sunday night or Wednesday, get in a small group and get around a table with somebody and build relationships with somebody. So here's what we want you to do. Invest that time into building relationships with other people because we all need it. Relationships make us better. And so that's what we want you to do. So you can get on the app. You can find all those small groups. They begin today. They're meeting all over the place. There's all different kinds of small groups. There's small groups for eating food. Come on, somebody. Uh, There's like acting small groups. Come on, like who even knew? Like that's okay. So some of you, you got a dream, you're going to Hollywood, that will start here, small group, okay? You can, one day you'll be on, on TV and you go, it all started in my church, you know what I'm saying? So whatever you need to do. So find you a small group. But today, we're continuing our series, Dirty, Stinky Stables. And I know none of you know anything about that. We're talking about other people. It has nothing to do with you personally, but this will help you with your other relationships in your life, right? Uh, in week one, we talked about the know-it-all. Okay, all right. I see some of you. Look, see, I can tell because y'all sit up a little straighter. You know which ones I'm talking about, the know-it-all. Last week we talked about lazy people. They're all at home this morning watching on. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm glad you're online. Lazy people. And uh, next week we're going to talk about critical people. Mm, that one stings a little bit. We're going to talk about critical people next week. But today we're talking about the manipulator. We're going to talk about manipulative people. Now, this is a tough one. So I already told you, you got to buckle in. This We're not going to skip around today. We're going to dig deep in some stuff today. But the reason we're talking about this is because the greatest gift we were ever given was relationships. But the most difficult thing we were ever given was relationships. And the beauty of it is that God knew it. As a matter of fact, one of my, I think this has become like my life verse. I just feel it. Proverbs 14, 4 at the top of your outline. Without oxen, a stable stays clean. But you need a strong ox for a large harvest. You ever been in a stable? Y'all know what's in stables? Keep it PG now. Come on. 
Y'all know it's in stables though, right? And it stinks and it's dirty and it's nasty. And that's what the Bible says. That's relationship, everybody. That's people. You thought it was just you. But that's literally the description that the Bible gives us. However, we could clean out the oxen and it would all stay clean and it would all be much easier. But the Bible says you have to have the oxen in order to do the work. The big idea is that it's all about people. Everything in our life revolves around people. I don't care if it's your family. I don't care if it's your place of employment. I don't care if it's at the ball field or whatever it is that you like to do. It all comes down to the number one thing God cares about, and that's people. And so God wants to help us and equip us, empower us to have good relationships in our lives. So today we're going to talk about manipulation and manipulative people. And now some of us are that. You are the manipulator. Now you don't want anybody to know that, but you are. Now let me just tell you, we're all born sinful people. Every one of us in this room, we have a tendency to sin in a certain way that is innate to you. Some of you did not even choose your sin. It chose you. You were born into it. We're born sinful people. As a matter of fact, you can look across the history and the lineage of your family, your family tree. Some of your tree leans a little bit, you know what I'm talking about? And so you find yourself doing this sometimes because you kind of lean like your family. It just happened. And so some of you have this innate ability to manipulate and you didn't even choose to do it or sometimes don't even know that you're doing it. And today I want to help us uncover if that's what we do. Some of us are manipulated, and we don't even know how to recognize it, and it's unhealthy in our relationships. Now, I get it. There's all different levels of manipulation. Uh, How many of you watch Netflix? Anybody know what Netflix is? I know y'all don't. Y'all just pray all the time. Netflix is an online streaming platform, and uh, there is a documentary on there called The Tinder Swindler. Now, um, you ought to go watch it. Now, if there's anything bad in it, I don't remember. I didn't recommend it if there is. So y'all just give me some leeway. But I watched this documentary called The Tinder Swindler on Netflix. And do y'all know what Tinder is? Some of you shaking your head and you're sitting by your spouse. Well, I don't know why you're shaking your head. Okay, I'm just saying. All right, so it's like a dating app. Don't get on it. Okay, it's not. I don't think it's one of the quality ones. I don't know. I don't date online. But I always tell my wife, I would like to. Y'all help me. I just, I, if that didn't exist when I was dating, I'd just like to know who it would set me up with. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't want to go on the date, but you put your profile and it matches you with people. I'd like to see, am I crazy or am I sane? You know what I'm saying? Like, who's it going to send me? That's just another situation. But the Tinder swindler, these people get on Tinder. They meet this young man who travels the world on a jet. He eats dinner and lunch in Paris and London, and he sends for the ladies that he dates a limo, and he has the limo bring them to his private plane, and then he flies them all over the world, and he buys them expensive things. And this is a real deal. He buys them expensive meals and tells them how much he loves them, and he wants to marry them and spend his life with them, and they're all in love with him, only to find out about 60 days into the relationship that his business is in trouble. And with if, if he don't get $200,000, everything's going to fall apart. And what does she do? Because she loves him so much, she takes out a second mortgage on her house and she gives him the $200,000. And you know what he does with it? He takes the other woman he met on Tinder and he flies her to Paris and that buys their trip. And then he does it with another lady and she buys their trip. And it is this whole cycle. And that is exactly what this guy does in real life. And there is a wake of women who have fallen for this manipulation, who are now in debt and who have lost out because they believed in something that was presented to be true but was false. Now, now if you end up in Bahamas with some guy you just met on Tinder, I'm just telling you, 
I'm just helping you out today. Now, that's the extreme case. But there are some of us in our marriages, and we're manipulated. There are some of you in dating relationships, and you're being manipulated. There are some of you in your place of employment, and you're manipulated. There are some of you in your marriages, and you are manipulating. There are some of you in your dating relationships, and you're manipulating. See, some of us fall in one of these areas, and it's displeasing to God regardless of where we fall. And today, we're going to uncover three signs and strategies of a manipulator. And then we're going to see three ways in which to deal with it. And we're going to learn about this through the life of David. Anybody know David? Come on, y'all know Tinder, so let's know David, okay? <laughs> David, little David, the, the shepherd boy. Y'all remember David, little slingshot? I come at you in the name of the Lord. You know what I'm saying? That story. David grew up to be a king, a man after God's own heart. But what you may not have realized is that David was a manipulator. That David took advantage of people and he manipulated to get what he wanted to get. And he displeased God with the decisions that he's made. And there were consequences in his life because of what he did. And today we're going to learn from his experience so that you don't have to. So let's pray. Father, I love you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for gathering here today, for gathering online, for gathering in Columbiana all day today. God, we just pray that your word helps us to live healthy lives God, so that we can navigate difficult relationships. God, thank you for giving us direction today, loving us enough. In Jesus' name, amen. So if you've got your Bible, you want to go to 2 Samuel chapter 11. It's where we find this story. Let me give you a little backdrop here. David is king at this point, grown man, not little baby David, but he's a grown man. He's king now. And uh, David is at the palace. The Bible tells us that he should be at war with the rest of the men, but David decided to stay back. And while David's hanging out at the palace, he looks out the window, and what does he see? A beautiful woman bathing on top of the roof, naked. Now, nobody bathes in clothes. That's how I know she's naked, okay? And uh, second of all, principle, just side note for today's message, don't bathe on your roof naked, ladies. Don't do it. I'm just telling you, just don't do it. Nothing good comes of it. So if you were tempted by it, don't. But she was. David saw her. David liked what he saw, and that begins this whole process. Something in that moment... When you have the inability to turn away sin and to turn away temptation in your life, when you can't close the doors that the enemy put in front of you, it opens up this opportunity for things to begin to unravel in your life. David opened a door and decided to walk through it instead of closing it. Now, what we need to understand here is that this woman that David sins after, that David has an affair with, is the wife of one of David's best soldiers who is out on the battlefield fighting so faithfully, so honorably, representing David, King David. He was one of David's 30 greatest soldiers, the Bible would tell us. But that didn't stop David because he was a manipulator. And there's three things you need to know to see a manipulator. Number one is a manipulator will pretend. They're great pretenders. David sins after this woman, and it gets really, really, mm, goes bad quick. I'm going to keep it PG here this morning. Y'all ready? I'm going to do my best. The Bible said to Uriah, go home and relax. David even sent a gift to Uriah after he had left the palace. Uriah is the husband of Bathsheba. David had sent with Bathsheba. David spent some time with Bathsheba. Because of that time spent, she is now pregnant with child. 
David says, we've got a problem, but I know how to fix it. I'm the king. Send for her husband and bring him home. And David said, hey, go home and relax. You know what I'm saying? He, now, you got a man been away at battle. Y'all tracking with me? He'd been away fighting war, hadn't seen a woman, hadn't been home to his wife. If he comes home and relaxes, then maybe by the time she's showing, they would believe that Uriah had been home and had been with his wife. He even sent gifts, showered the house with gifts. It's the first time in history right here in the Bible that a man got a dozen roses right there. Ladies, we like a little, little showering of love, too. He walked in with his roses everywhere, courtesy of King David. Welcome home, Uriah. Just relax and enjoy being home. You see, David was close to this guy. He had relationship with this guy. He was pretending so well. When Uriah came home from the battlefield, he had no reason not to trust David. And this is the hardest principle to learn when dealing with manipulators in our life. They are the people that are the closest to us. The reason you're manipulated is because you have relationship. And when you have relationship, you have trust. And when you have trust, you believe that they have your best interest at heart. That's why when something happens, you hear people say, I never would have guessed that it would have been them. I cannot believe that it was them. We've known each other for 30 years. I never would have guessed that they would have done that. Because the ability to pretend to be something that you're not is a clear sign of someone bringing manipulation into your life. So in your life today, when you think about yourself in situations, and you think about the people that you're surrounded with and some of the treatment that you that you feel, and you go, right, something just feels off. But, but it's my this, or it's my that, or I've known them forever, or I feel this way about them, or we've been through this together. You have to stop and realize that oftentimes manipulation comes from people that are the closest to you. Because a manipulator knows how to pretend really, really well. And that's exactly what David is doing. Number two, a manipulator plots. They plot. In other words, they've already got an outcome that they're striving for. Before the journey ever begins, they already have a destination in mind. He brings Uriah home, the husband of the woman that he has had an affair with, and this is what he says. He says, hey, well, look, just stay here, David said, because Uriah's wanting to get back to battle. He's, he's taken an oath that he's not going to be with a woman while he's at war. That was common in the day. So, so he just needs to get back to battle. David says, well, look, just stay here. And tomorrow you may return to the army. So the Bible says Uriah stayed that day and the next. And then verse 13, notice this. David invited him to dinner and got him drunk. <laughs> but even then, he couldn't get Uriah to go home to his wife. Now David goes, all right, okay. I got Uriah home. He's standing on integrity. Standing on character. Like I knew that I had put Uriah in this position for a reason, but I didn't know that he could resist his wife after battle. So what am I going to do now? He said, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to throw a party. He's going to be the guest of honor. I mean Golden Corral style. <laughs> I'm not talking about, see, some of you like those fancy, expensive dinners, and you get a steak this big. You go to the corral, 
and sacrifice a little quality for quantity? You can have ice cream on the steak, gummy bears on top. There are no rules at the corral. David throws a golden corral party for Uriah. Brings him in, wines him, and dines him. David's like, just have another drink. Well, I don't drink. Well, here's some water with a little something to go with it. I mean, David is doing all that he can do to impair what should be his friend in order to get him from this decision to this decision. He is working as hard as he can to break down the walls of character and integrity in his life. David already was calculating what was going to happen. David knew that just bringing him home wasn't going to work. So my next step is to invite him, to wine him, and to dine him. It's called love bombing. Anybody ever been love bombed before? Come on, somebody said something to you, and then suddenly you get a gift. And then your heart kind of melts. Oh, that was sweet. They they really are sorry. And then they do something else, and then you always respond with some way just to shower you so that your emotions and your feelings begin to melt away and you forget about the things that have been done or said. It's called love bombing. It's one of the ways that manipulators will respond. And that's exactly what David is doing here. He said, if he's going to stand on integrity, and I can't even, I can't even break down my... Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to invite him in. And I'm going to love bomb him. I am going to plot this thing through because I need to get you from here All the way to here. It's a tactic of somebody who brings manipulation. And then the third thing that a manipulator would do is they'll pounce when there's an opportunity. They'll pounce on it quickly. They'll jump on it. The Bible says that he got him drunk, but even in his drunkenness, he wouldn't make a compromising move with his wife. He stood on the vow that as a soldier, that I will not be with a woman while I'm at battle. So what does David do then? He gets serious at the next opportunity. So David says the next morning, he's going to write a letter. He gives it to Joab and gave it to Uriah to deliver. Now Joab is the man in charge of the battle. He's out on the front lines. He's organizing. He's sending the soldiers. He's organizing and directing everything that happens on the front line of battle. David writes a letter to Joab, gives it to Uriah to give to him. And this is what the letter said. Station Uriah on the front lines where the battle is fiercest. Then pull back so that he will be killed. So Joab assigned Uriah to a spot close to the city wall where he knew the enemy's strongest men were fighting. And when the enemy soldiers came out of the city to fight, Uriah was killed along with several other Israelite soldiers. Notice how far a manipulator will go. When the opportunity presents itself, not only is this man in relationship with David, but David writes a letter to have him killed and has him deliver the very letter that is instructing him to be killed. Think about that. Think about how low that you've got to go. Think about the level of craziness and absurdity that that is. What level of betrayal to write a letter for you to be killed, to give it to his friend, to have it delivered so that he would be killed on the battle lines. That's how far David was willing to go to dig himself out of the hole that he had put himself in. A manipulator will stop at nothing. Whatever it takes to get what they want. And so today, if you find yourself dealing with this type of relationship in your life, these types of personalities, or if you find yourself as going, you know what, I may be a little manipulative to people in my life. And I'm so thankful that God gives us ways out, gives us wisdom on how to deal with it. Turn your outline over and I'm going to give you three ways to deal 
with manipulation and the manipulator. The first thing is you have to confront it. You confront it. When we're manipulated, we let things go. We ignore it. We just think it's oftentimes it's our fault. You ever felt confused? You ever thought everything points to there's problems out here, but they've convinced me that it's my fault. Maybe I'm the only one that sees it. Maybe I'm the only one that feels that way. Well, that's because you've been manipulated. See, God loves us enough. The Bible calls David a man after God's own heart. Even though he did all of these things, he's considered a man after God's own heart. Because God gives us ways to correct the sins of our life. Because God redeems even the greatest mistakes that any of us would make. So God sends somebody to David. He sends him a prophet in order to confront him about the sin that he had. David, God sends a prophet to David, and this prophet tells David a story of injustice. Of two men, and one person suffered injustice from another, and David rises up furious. because, well, that man should be killed. He did wrong. And then notice what this man says to David. Nathan said to David, you're that man. He's like, wait a second, what are you talking about? He says, no, you're the, the story that I, the illustration that I just gave? You're the man causing the injustice. You're the man that's done wrong. The Lord, the God of Israel, says, I anointed you king of Israel. I saved you from the power of Saul. I gave you your master's house and his wives and the kingdoms of Israel and Judah. And if that had not been enough, I would have given you so much more. The prophet said to David, why do you feel like you have to control everything? As a manipulator, why do you feel that you have to control every single thing? I'm God. I'm the one who blesses you. I'm the one that opens the door for you. I'm the one who is leading and guiding your life. So why do you feel like you have to be the one to control everything and everybody? And inside of every one of us, if we're honest, we all try to manipulate God sometimes. Because we try to fix it, we try to work it, we try to get a plan together, we try to get God in our box. We're trying to manipulate the situation when God says, you can't manipulate me because I'm the one that's in control. We just have to be willing to get out of the way. You have to confront somebody who's manipulating you. Let me give you three ways, these are extra, write them down, of how you can confront somebody. The first is you have to be stern. You have to be stern, you can't be a, a pushover. You have to be willing to call it what it is. You have to be able to say, wait a second, this is manipulation. This is not, this is not right. I understand that's your viewpoint, but I don't think this is correct. And this is the power of something like small groups, where you have relationship with people that can get into your life that you trust and that can help you navigate situations like this. If you're being manipulated by somebody, you have to have the ability to confront it and to call it out and to be strong. To say, no, that's manipulation. This is what you're saying. This is not healthy and this is not right. The second thing you do is be very specific when dealing with the manipulator. You call out specifics. These are the words that you said. These are the actions that you have taken. Because you know why? A manipulator doesn't like the truth. Because the only way they can manipulate is by bending the truth and standing on partial truths or outright lies. And when you are specific about actions and about statements and about things that were done and intent that was given, they don't like it. And when you're strong enough to confront them and stand on very specific things to call them out, it will eventually cause their whole story to begin to fall apart and crumble around you. 
And then you have to be strong. You have to be strong because when you are manipulated and you confront a manipulator, it makes you feel like you're the one causing the damage. Because oftentimes they've convinced you that you're the problem. And so you already feel inferior to bring it up to somebody. You already feel like, well, I've got to be the crazy one. They, they, they sent me a dozen roses. They took me to that dinner. Remember, they love bombed me. They wouldn't do that if they were trying to take advantage of me. They wouldn't do that if they really love me. But the reality is, it's a manipulation. And you have to be strong and stand on what is fact. You have to be able to confront it. God confronted David and his manipulation. Therefore, we can confront manipulation when it happens to us. Number two, you challenge it. When you confront it, you challenge it. Here's what the Bible says in 2 Samuel 12, 9. It says, why then have you despised the word of the Lord and done this horrible deed? Nathan's asking him, hey, why did you do this? Immediately confront it. Just call it out. David, why did you do this? For you have murdered Uriah and stolen his wife. I mean, right there, let's just call it out. Let's just get to the bottom of it. What was the motive, David? You were pretending to be this great king, loving his people and leading with character and integrity. and They were your friend. You were pretending. But the whole time behind the scenes, you're plotting to get your way. So, David, let's just get to the root cause of it. See, it's the principle of the why behind the what. Most of us know what happens, we know what we do, but oftentimes we can't define why something happens, or even why that we do it. And when something happens in front of us, and then those of us who are manipulated, we just take it as this is just life, this is just normal, this is what happens, this is just how our relationship is, this is the way it's always been, this is the way that it will always be, without asking why is it this way, why do they act that way, why is it this circumstance why is it dysfunctional? Why do I feel this way? When you get to the why behind what's happening in your life, it brings everything that is buried to the surface. Why do I feel this way? Why do I make these decisions? Why do I take this? Why do I accept this? You have value. You have worth. You don't have to be treated that way. You don't have to live in that. You don't have to be manipulated. Once Nate... Once Nathan confronted him and then just challenged it outright, you know, this is what happened. You had, him, you had him killed. You stole his wife. Why? And then number three, you can correct it. Once you confront and you challenge somebody and everything is to the surface, well, then you can find a way to correct this. Because here's what happened. This is what the Lord says. Because of what you have done. You know, God forgives sins and God redeems all things, but consequences still stand. For every one of our actions, redeemed, saved, forgiven by God, there's still consequences to the actions that we have. And David is being told, because of what you've done, God says, I will cause your own household to rebel against you. I will give your wives to another man before your eyes. Old Testament, everybody. And he will go to bed with them in public view. You did it secretly, but I will make this happen to you openly in the sight of all Israel. In other words, hey David, man after God's own heart, God still loves you. 
And I'm here to correct you because your life isn't over. I'm here to correct you because this manipulation that you live and the way you treat people, you don't have to continue in that. But because of the actions that you've taken, I mean, David lost his reputation. And now he's known as the king. I mean, it's all out public view now. He loses his family. The baby did not live. These things follow David. If you read scripture on into his his kids and their life, it, it followed them. There were consequences to this right here. But the reality is you have an opportunity to correct it. Either as someone who manipulates or someone who has been manipulated. Here's two ways that will help you do it. Is you set boundaries. If you want to correct it, set boundaries in your life. They have to be very clear and they have to be very consistent. This is what we are not going to do. Once you've called it out and once it's surfaced itself in these relationships that have manipulation, once it's to the surface and you're beginning to correct it, you just set boundaries. I'm, I'm not going to do that. It's like going to work and them saying, hey, look, we want you to work 40 hours a week. Here's your schedule. Here's what I want you to do. And then you notice that like suddenly that those 40 hours have turned into like 60 hours. And you're like, but wait a second. I, like, I, I don't mind pitching in and, uh, and I'm a team player, but I hadn't seen my family in like a month. And uh, you guys don't pay me to do this. Like I'm on salary. And, um, and then they go, but why would you? I thought you, were, I thought you were part of the team. I thought this mattered to you. I thought we were all pitching it. I thought you were a hard worker. That's why we hired you because we knew you. And you're like, but wait a second. Like, no, I'm going to set some boundaries. You hired me for 40 hours a week. Now, I don't mind staying late here and there. I understand when we've got a deadline or something. These, I'll pitch in, but, but you can't take advantage of me. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to set some boundary lines. You understand what I'm saying? If you're going to correct something, you have to have boundaries. You have to be a willing to put boundaries in your life. You're not going to talk to me that way. You're not going to treat me that way. You're not going to say those things about me. You're not going to stay gone all night to show up for breakfast like nothing's wrong. Like We're not going to live that way. We're going to have some boundaries in our life. And then you have to set expectations. Set some expectations. Here's what we need to see. Here are the goals that we're going to set in this relationship to know if you're making a decision to move forward and to be healthy. This is what's got to happen. Because here's the reality of it. All of this just breeds distrust, uneasiness, unhappiness. It's a lack of purpose and fulfillment in the relationships that we have. It's one-sided. Because if you're manipulating somebody, you've got this whole, you know, you're spinning the plates. You've got to keep this up. You've got to keep your story together. You're constantly fighting the emotions of it all. And if you're being manipulated, you feel crazy all the time. Because you're living in something that's unhealthy. And it's not God's best. So my prayer for us today is that if we're somebody who's manipulative and we live this out, treat people this way, that God would give us forgiveness and freedom from that sinful trait in our life. And God can do it. And if you're somebody who's walking in manipulation, that today you have the ability to stand up and say, I'm not going to live that way. God, you've got to help me and you've got to help my relationships. Now, this is one of those things that we have to dig deep in our life, but I can tell you, this is common in many of our relationships and the dynamics that we live out. And God wants to set us free from it today. So will you bow your head, close your eyes. I want to pray for us today. 
online right where you are, if you can just limit distraction and let this be a moment between you and the Lord. This is one of those heavier messages because it really makes us dig through some things in our life. But let me tell you what I love about God's Word is that even somebody like David, one of the most famous individuals of the Bible, a man after God's own heart, even in his imperfections, God uses it as a way for every single one of us to see the power of forgiveness and redemption and life change. And that's available for us today. So if you're here and you feel like you tend to manipulate, I'm going to pray that God would help you to overcome. And if you're here and you feel like you're manipulated, I'm going to pray for God to heal you, those hurts that's in your life caused by it. And that God will help you stand up to recognize it and to be able to walk it out in a biblical way so you can find freedom and health in your relationships. But I can tell you that if you're here or online and you don't have a relationship with Jesus, that's where you have to begin because that's the only way that God can correct this in our life. So if you need to say yes to Jesus, let's pray together. Father, today, thank you for loving us. God, we know we have sin in our life. We've missed it. We've fallen short. But today, Jesus, we need you. We recognize that we need you first in our life. So we ask you to forgive us of our sin. We choose to put you first, to learn to live for you, to love you, and to serve you. Thank you for forgiveness and relationship today. And God, I pray for all those hurt by manipulation. God, that you bring healing to their lives. Help them to stand up, to recognize it, and to biblically, with grace and love and truth, walk it out. God, those of us who may struggle with manipulating the relationships of our life, God, set us free from that. God, we don't want to handle relationships in the wrong way. We want to steward them well. We want to love people well. We all have sinful tendencies. God, help us to, God, to rise above it, to be forgiven and set free from it, only by the grace that you give us. And Jesus will give you the credit for all of it because you love us that much to do it. Bless our relationships, bless our homes in every aspect of our life. In Jesus' name, amen.